Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 71 of the podcast, and we are officially into the NFL offseason, the dead zone, if you will. No news is happening. The games are over with. So let's talk about the last two weeks of 49ers news and rumors, including potential suitors for Jimmy Garoppolo. Does George Kittle really hate Trey Lance? Could Tom Brady be in San Francisco? Who are the most important free agents to resign? And I will give out my 2021-2022 team awards, but let's start out with arguably the biggest news. The news that kind of kicked off this surprisingly large Niners news cycle, and that was Mike McDaniel leaving the Niners. He was our offensive coordinator, our running scheme, running game guru, He left the Niners to take the Miami Dolphins head coaching job. So congratulations to Mike McDaniels. Uh, Big money. Going to be an interesting time in Miami knowing many of the -the off-the-field things happening in there. But congratulations to him. But I want to talk about the impact he's going to have. And it's funny because the day before, or maybe it was two days prior to McDaniel getting hired, Anthony Lynn got hired. And it wasn't as the offensive coordinator, uh, but it was as the assistant head coach. And so people were like, well, is McDaniels gone? Which ultimately did happen. But I do think that move, the Lynn move, was because McDaniel said, hey guys, I'm going to take this job. If it's offered to me, you might want to plan ahead. Uh, But with McDaniel, Shanahan talked about how he was one of the main factors involved in this Niners running game. He was the one scheming. He was actually calling plays during games, which I think I was surprised to hear, at least. Maybe you were as well. But McDaniel has been a mainstay in this Niners coaching staff and the running game and the scheme and the offense since coming over in 2017 with Shanahan and the rest of the the cohort of Niners coaches. But what McDaniel leaves... And while it may not be a huge gap knowing Lynn is coming over from the Chargers and the Lions and because Shanahan's still here, but McDaniel, what he brought to this Niners offense was essentially he brought the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan way, right? He brought an efficient running game that was schemed around and for Jimmy Garoppolo and really any quarterback, but because Garoppolo was QB1 for the majority of his time here, it allowed San Francisco and kind of, I don't want to say change the game, but a lot of teams now are starting to do what the Niners are doing. Not paying for running backs, heavy run scheme, outside zone. Now the Rams are doing it. Uh, the, the Bengals kind of do it, but they have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, so it's a little different there in Cincinnati. Uh, the Jets are running it now. There are a lot of teams. The Dolphins will run it in Miami. A lot of teams are doing it now, but... I want to talk about how, like, that stuff right there, the impact of that is changing the NFL, essentially. Well, maybe not changing, but having that big of an impact where teams start to mimic what you're doing because it's so successful, that falls on Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan, of course. But McDaniel's gone now. You know, it's like uh, Wozniak and Jobs, I believe, is the, the duo who helped create Apple. Like, when one of those guys leaves... You say, okay, like, you know, you usually it's two peas in the pods, right? You're a pair, you're a duo, and then one of you leaves, it's who's going to be successful without the other. And I believe both these guys will be. Kyle Shanahan's not going to start being an awful play caller or have an awful run game. But McDaniel has a lot to prove now in Miami, but I do think because of what he's shown and what he's been able to do with for a, for a certain part of his nine or tenure, not much in the backfield, with Mostert and Hasty and Jeff Wilson Jr. And I like all those guys, don't get me wrong, but those are practice squad, seventh rounders, undrafted free agent guys, you know? And what he's been able to do here, it, it will be missed because that's a huge impact. Other players or other coaches, excuse me, who left, Richard Hightower, uh, as I like to call him, Dick Hightower, <laughs> um, he is going to take the Bears special teams job we know how the special teams unit was this year. It was not great at all. Um, so kind of wash your hands, pull a Pontius Pilot, and go, you know, 
dip your hands in the water and say, have, have fun in Chicago. Um, and then uh, Wes Welker also leaving for Miami to join Mike McDaniel. Huge, huge loss there. Not just, just because Wes Welker's a good coach, but he's had a great impact on what Debo Samuel has become and Jawan Jennings and Brandon Ayuk and Kendrick Bourne. Like, losing two guys like McDaniel and Welker, is, those guys are hard to replace. Not irreplaceable, but two guys who are hard to replace, which gets me to what the Anthony Lynn hire means. Now, I believe that every every running back, the starting running back, the first year in which Lynn has taken over as a head coach or a play caller or just him being in the system offensively, they've had 90-plus catches. Now, if you're me and you're thinking, well, who's a candidate for 90-plus catches? Well, my mind goes to Raheem Mostert. And I put on Twitter today, actually, I said, I don't think people understand how important and the explosiveness Mostert brings to this Niners offense. We saw in 2020, despite him being hurt for a portion of the year, against the Cardinals, first play touchdown. Against the Jets, first play touchdown on slant routes lined up on the outside. He brings an element this offense does not have currently. I love Elijah Mitchell. I will hopefully like Trey Sermon next year. But what Mostert brings is another weapon, a home run hitter. And I think if Anthony Lynn can can see that and go, look, how can I maximize this running back room? Let's bring back Mostert and let's have maybe a three or four headed monster potentially with Mitchell and Mostert and Sermon playing part. Maybe even Jeff Wilson Jr., although I do think he will leave in free agency. But the pieces are there to mimic or emulate uh, what Lynn has done in his previous stays. But that brings me to the free agency. This is the big topic now, right? The Rams are Super Bowl champions, unfortunately. The season's over. And now our eyes go towards a free agency. Who are they going to bring back? Who's not going to be back? Uh, who would I prioritize as a free agent, right? And I want to start with Jeff Wilson Jr. Simply because he is one of the main free agents I do think will be leaving. And the reason I think that, one, is because he has ties now in the Jets with LaFleur and Miami with McDaniel. And McDaniel's going to want someone who knows how to run that scheme and is comfortable running that scheme who wants to be running back one, a guy who wants to be a pivotal part of an offense, and that's Jeff Wilson Jr. Now, don't get me wrong. The Niners might say, look, you're not going anywhere. But I do think that they have a handful of running backs who need reps. Mitchell, potentially Mostert if he's back. Trey Sermon needs to be on the field. He was a third-round pick you traded up for. He has to play next year and play what you would like to think a big role in the offense then Jamichael Hasty's there. He was your third down back this year, so obviously you view him in as some importance to the offense, although I do think his role can be given to somebody else. There are three to four running backs on this team already. And I think Jeff Wilson Jr., despite me liking the guy and like how he runs, I think he might be the odd man out. That brings me to K1 Williams. K1's tough, right? Because and and, and let's be honest here. We all thought he was going to leave last year. Uh, he had an offer on the table from the Chiefs for one year. We all thought, is he really going to join Mahomes after after we lost to them in the Super Bowl? Uh, and thankfully, K1 came back for a year. And I do not want there to be this jaded memory of how K1 Williams has played in San Francisco, simply because many fans have this right in front of me, no historic point of view to certain things of, well, he stunk against Cooper Cup in the playoffs, and don't get me wrong, he he was not great. Like, right, like, he, he got burnt a few times, although there was some miscommunication in the secondary during that NFC Championship game. Uh, Kieran Williams has been, outside of a few games or so, solid, solid nickel cornerback, uh, uh, excuse me, um, ever since he came over from the Bengals. And don't forget, K1 was one of the best nickel coverage cornerbacks in the NFL in 2019, along with Richard Sherman. Like, K1 has been phenomenal when he's healthy in San Francisco. And here's the issue. He's getting older, and you invested 
two draft picks in cornerbacks last year, one of which in Diamond Lenore, he's a nickel cornerback. You got to figure out what you got in these guys. Now, I'm not saying you can't figure that out in training camp. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just thinking K1, who is having a good year, knowing you're going to have to prioritize other players like Debo, like Nick Bosa, uh, and maybe even Lakin Tomlinson, and maybe some other guys on this list I have. I think K1 might be out the door simply because he's the odd man out, right? Like, in a list of priorities, he falls probably lower on the list. And I do think if I'm San Francisco, and we'll talk about this later, but if you can get that first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo, although I don't think they'll get that, or even a second round pick, you have the draft capital to either move up or potentially get that future nickel cornerback you need to replace K1, a younger guy who you can have for four years, who has a small cap hit, who you can say, yep, he's 22, he's 21, he'll be here for the next four years and won't be on year-by-year deals anymore. That's something to look forward to in the offseason, hopefully even the draft. Now let's move to Raheem Mostert. I already talked about how important I think he is to the offense and the ability to hit the home run play, right? Raheem is one of the fastest players in the NFL, and I hope that remains following his surgery. Uh, it's a pretty serious surgery. He had some bone chips uh, in his knee and needed to get that cleaned up. Opted to miss the entirety of the season. Uh, and look, Raheem's a little older, right? He's in his 30s. Uh, he's a guy who I'm not going to expect to carry the ball 500 times a year. Nobody should. Um, <laughs> but he's someone who I do think, again, in the passing game, like he's not just going to help in the running game. Like that's one area he will, obviously his ability to run the outside zone with the burst of speed and hit the hole is kind of like no other in the league at this point. He's not a top five back, not a top 10 back, but in this system, he has proven to be successful. Now it all depends on health, but with Mostert, he's not one-dimensional. Elijah Mitchell, who I do like, I love, he's probably and should be running back one, he got banged up this year. He missed time. He cannot be your your bell cow, your workhorse back. And if you bring someone in like Mostert, who can be your third down back, your kind of breath of fresh air running back, he can alleviate some of the pressure and the bruises and the hits Mitchell will take which then helps Trey Sermon come in and, and hit his explosive plays. Like, I know this may sound very simplistic with what I'm saying, but that's kind of how simplistic this stuff is. If you just go through things logically, bringing back Raheem Mostert makes a ton of sense. Yes, if the injury is serious and he's not ready to play, do not bring him back. An obvious statement to make. But if he's healthy enough to play... Give him an incentive-based deal, two to three, maybe two to four million dollars, and if he hits his marks, give him the money, and you're okay. The cap goes up next year. If it's a one-year deal with incentives, it's not going to hurt you. If he's healthy and he reaches the marks, what do you lose? In fact, you gain Mostert all year. There's no reason not to bring Raheem back unless that injury is a little more serious or his rehab is not going well. Another player who has had just an insane, insane injury history is Jason Verrett. I love Jason Verrett. When we signed him in 2019, I said, oh boy, <laughs> like we have a sleeper shutdown cornerback. Then he got destroyed against Pittsburgh, went back on IR, and we said, eh, wipe him under the rug for a little bit. <laughs> Forget that guy exists. And then 2020, he surprised us all and said, hey, I'm back. Or at least a one-year wonder, essentially. And he had a great year, an elite year. They bring him back on a huge one-year deal, and then it just falls apart again. And again, I love Verrett. But I think it's time to move on. Unless, unless he's willing to take, again, an incentive-based deal for super cheap. But... Verrett, to me, seems like a guy who goes to a place like Chicago or a place like Tampa Bay who will likely lose Carlton Davis. 
and many other parts of that secondary, a guy who can play in some warm weather and some grass fields, and not have to play in a place like SoFi Stadium, who has turf, like, Verrett needs grass, he also needs a warm place, uh, where it's, and while the weather in California isn't awful, my point more so is that when you're playing, you know, eight to nine games in, in humid Florida, where the weather is really not that bad, it allows your muscles to recover better, it just allows you to, your body to maintain its health. And so if I'm Verrett, and I'm the Niners, really, I'd probably say, hey man, like, thanks for the one good year. <laughs> like, appreciate the hard work you put in, but like, sorry. And I do think Verrett, who's I think made $10 million this year, or somewhere around there, I do think he'll get like 6 to $7 million on the open market, maybe a little less, but I think it will be, again, kind of like Kaylon Williams, where it's like, all right, dude, like, you're not very high on our priority list. And with Ambry Thomas coming into his own late in the year, Emmanuel Mosley playing lockdown cornerback the majority of the season, I don't think bringing back Barrett is necessarily a necessity. It's, it, it could be a luxury, but that luxury does come with heavy baggage with injuries and probably isn't worth the cost because you can't protect someone like that. You can protect a running back, Right. Like an ACL tear or freak injuries like Verrett and Mostert's knee. But you can protect the running back because you can control the reps, essentially. You can't control cornerback reps, really. It's kind of like, we need you in pass, you know, we need you in coverage. I go out there and anything happens, right? And so, I would have liked to let Verrett go. Now that brings me to Arden Key, who had a career year. Uh, he pretty much, uh, he had his entire, and even more so, his entire Raiders tenure in one year in San Francisco. Pretty much what I'm saying is, the his three or four years in Oakland slash Las Vegas, he matched and surpassed every single stat category. Like, that's how good Arden Key was, and knowing D Ford, who will likely be in the Niners training camp this year unless he's cut post-June 1st, I think you have to bring back Arden Key. And not just because he had a good year, but look who's on the market for edge rushers. There's really nobody out there. And in or on a team like this who does have a weaker secondary or could be potentially losing a large portion of their secondary in Tart and Verrett and K1, <laughs> you're going to need some edge rushers. You're going to need some pass rush and... You know, you can argue, well, he's Kerry Hyder 2.0. He'll, he'll get a big deal in the offseason, and he he might. He very well could, and he may price himself out of the Niners' range. But to me, Arden Key is a guy who I think realized the success he had in San Francisco, and I do think he would at least try to stay for one to two more years, maximize what he has here, put up big numbers. Because, and this isn't a knock on the Raiders, but knowing what happened in Las Vegas and Oakland with Gruden and Mayock, it just wasn't a a tightly oiled machine there. It wasn't run to perfection. It was just kind of a kind of a mess, right? But now he's coming to an organization that has his head on right. They have consistency from the top to the bottom. Uh, Shanahan's a good head coach. Chris Kosarek is a wonderful defensive line coach. Domenico Ryans is back for another year. Now, I see no reason as to why Arden Key wouldn't sign maybe a one to two year deal maybe even a three-year deal, uh, and, and try to stay in San Francisco. If I'm the Niners, I take that deal. He's still young. There's no reason not to sign him. Now, I'm not breaking the bank for this guy, but he's worth it, especially if you're if you're not... Like, Samson Ebukam was inconsistent, but came, came into his own late this year. It was great. It worked out, right? Arden Key, when, when he was given the reps, was pretty much good from week eight and on. Right, and so when you have D Ford and Jordan Willis is gone, like, and no one's no one out there on the market, you gotta bring back someone like Arden Key simply because there's no one to replace him unless you view someone in the draft who could replace him. But I don't, I don't see anybody that the Niners can reach for that's a first round pick or a high second round pick. Like, let's not forget, the Niners aren't just picking in the first round. They are not picking until late in the second round, too, which is why that Jimmy Garoppolo trade is so pivotal and which is why it's important to bring back your free agents. You, you can trade draft capital all day, you can, move up, you can move down, but get a proven guy like Key in the building and keep him there. That makes more sense to me than signing or, or drafting a 20, 21-year-old 
kid who could have all the potential in the world, but may not exactly fit, or it's really a bigger unknown when Key worked out so well last year. The other guy, who I do think the Niners have to bring back, but is also replaceable, DJ Jones. I love DJ Jones. You know, the barbecue sauce stuff he's got going on is great. You know, he's phenomenal in, in run defense. He has been phenomenal in run defense for a while. Very underrated. Big body. He's a fun. He's a great guy. And it's definitely going to suck to see him go if he does go elsewhere. But if I'm the Niners, obviously you do what you can to bring him back. But I will ultimately say that he is replaceable. Don't forget, he was like a 5th or 6th round pick. He wasn't a high draft pick. You can find guys like him in the draft. And if DJ, who deservedly so, gets a huge deal, then you have to say goodbye. And that stinks and that sucks, but you know, I want to be honest with you, DJ played a, a huge role in the Niners allowing very few 100-yard rushing games this year. But on top of that, DJ also is replaceable. And again, it just comes down to money. All this stuff comes down to money. Like if Jeff Wilson Jr. wants a 500K deal, give it to him. If K Wan's like, I want to stay, I take a two year, a two million dollar deal, you keep him, obviously. But if guys like Key and Jones are like, look, I'm getting a you know a ten ten and a half million dollar deal from the Vikings, I'm going there. Can you match it? And they're like, no, no, <laughs> sorry, good luck, good luck in Minnesota. So, again, I do think DJ Jones is more replaceable than someone like Arden Key just because of the market and because of where San Francisco is drafting and the unknowns of what you're going to get back for Jimmy. There's so many question marks, which is why putting a list like this together is so tough. But ultimately, I do think DJ Jones is replaceable, but I would love to have him back in San Francisco. But the number one free agent that I think maybe there's concerns about not signing. Like, Debo is going to get signed. Nick Bosa is going to get signed. But there is one caveat to Nick Bosa, and that is Nick Bosa has like two years on his deal still. This is his first opportunity to get extended. But let's be honest here. Nick Bosa has this coming year, 2022-2023, on the books already. And he has a fifth-year option on the books. Now, I'm not saying Eric Armstead or McGlinchey are Nick Bosa types. Like, they're nowhere near him. But they waited till year five for those guys. They, the, the Niners are not afraid to let big-name guys wait out their fifth-year deal. And I understand context matters, right? Armstead wasn't good until his fifth year. Then McGlinchey really came into his own in 2019 and struggled in 2020 big time, then was good in 2021, then got hurt. And so... I understand context matters, but it's not like San Francisco doesn't have flexibility, but the one the one thing to look out for is them trying to lower the initial cap hits, right? Let's extend him now, lower his cap hit, so we can bring back guys like this next free agent, Lakin Tomlinson. And when talking about Lakin Tomlinson, I mean, he's the Iron Man, right? He never misses a game, never misses a snap. He's always on the field. They got him for bare bones from the Lions, and he has become... One of the best left guards in football. Made it to his first Pro Bowl this year. A well-deserved first Pro Bowl. But the issue with Lakin isn't he's not good or whatever. It's simply, again, the dollar bill. It's the, hey, any team can walk up to Lakin and go, here's a contract, put the price you want on it, and we'll sign off on it. Now, is Lakin going to get like a $30 million deal? No. But Lakin might get $10 million per year, which can turn into $40 million down the line. And that, again, might price out San Francisco. Lakin talked about it earlier, how there has been no communication as to, uh, in regards to contract negotiations. They haven't talked about it whatsoever, which then opens the door to have conversations of, well, you got Trent Williams. Who's playing next to him? Well, oh, that second round pick you had last year, Aaron Banks who you tried to work him out at right guard, but he didn't play that at Notre Dame, so 
Maybe they'd move him back to the position he's more comfortable at, a left guard, and you have a cheap second-round pick in Banks playing left guard, and you can save money to go re-sign other players or even add a guy. <laughs> this is the issue with Lakin. Is he's a really good player. And we may be replacing him with a big question mark. Now, do I think Banks is a good player? I do. I think Banks gets unfairly criticized, right? And I understand it. Second round pick, don't see the field. What's wrong with that? But again, like we know, Shanahan and Lynch both said, like, hey, there are some picks in this draft that were for next year, right? Well, we're approaching next season, and if Banks was a pick for next year, maybe he's been the plan all along, or kind of the contingency, hey, this guy isn't ready now, but... He puts some weight on, he learns the system more, and plays left guard for us. Maybe he can replace Tomlinson in 2022-2023. But then there's other questions, right? Well, is Alex Mack going to retire? Like, he's an older guy, he's 36 years old. The pro bowler this year was phenomenal all year for San Francisco. Well, if, if Lakin leaves and then Alex Mack retires... Well, then McGlinchey, who you'd hope is healthy, well, he had a pretty catastrophic injury to his arm. Like There were talks where like he has like a 50-50% chance to even play again. So you're rolling into next year with Williams, Trent Williams, who's the best player in the NFL, most likely. Aaron Banks, who's unproven, but maybe a more comfortable at left guard. Is, is Daniel Brunskill playing center, or are you going to draft a guy? And then at right guard, is Tom Compton your right guard? Is Jalen Moore your right guard? And can McGlinchey even play? Like, it might be, like, Laker Tomlinson and Alex Mack might be the two most important free agents. Not because, not just because they're the best players on the team who may be elsewhere, but because if they leave or if they retire, it, it changes the entirety of the free agency checklist, right? Like, the draft looks entirely different if those two, two guys leave. Do you need a left guard? Do you need a center? Do you need a right guard now? Do you need a right tackle now? And so, while I would love to break the bank for Lake and Tomlinson, and this is why it's so important for the Debo and Nick Bosa moves to get done, and on top of that, why it's even more important for San Francisco to figure out what the heck they are doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. And let's get into... Jimmy G and the latest rumors and updates, right? So, Mike Garofolo on Super Bowl Sunday said that the Niners want to trade Jimmy prior to March 16th, when the new league year starts. Now, my mind, I played baseball for like 15 years, so my mind is always kind of thinking in baseball terms. And in free agency a few years ago in baseball, we saw Bryce Harper and Machado wait this thing out, right? They waited forever to sign. It was a pain in the butt. And we all said, well, why isn't anyone signing? But then we look at what the Niners seemingly want to do. They want to get ahead of the market. The Niners, and many people have speculated, well, it all depends on what Rodgers and, and Wilson do. Wilson has said he wants to stay in Seattle. Russell Wilson is going to stay in Seattle. Now, Aaron Rodgers is obviously the big one, but there are teams who do not have the money, the capital, or even have the roster construction to acquire someone like Aaron Rodgers. In fact, maybe a team like Denver might be the only place for Rodgers to go outside of Green Bay. And with that said, I don't think Rodgers is going anywhere. But I don't think San Francisco even cares about that. I think they want to get ahead of the market, get what they can get for a quarterback, Maybe for a different team that, again, like a Washington or Carolina or many other teams in the league might say, well, we can get our guy and we can set that in stone and get things in place, right? We can build a team around Jimmy or whoever the team may be. I'm looking at you, Washington. Like, Jimmy can be the next piece for them. Again, we know what Jimmy is. We know what he is. Jimmy Garoppolo is not worth the first round pick. We know this. Like, if I'm Washington, and the rumored thing was, well, they can talk themselves into the 11th overall pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. If the Niners get that for Jimmy Garoppolo, who, again, I love, 
talk about a fleece. The plan worked out perfectly. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, imagine this Niners team with Trey Lance, uh, hopefully in, in this case have re-signed Debo, re-signed Bosa, and maybe even re-signed Lincoln Tomlinson with that money they freed up. And they had the 11th overall pick to get a cornerback or an edge rusher because Arden Key is gone. Like, that would be insane. But with that said, I think San Francisco wants to get this thing done. In, in their postseason pressers, end-of-the-year pressers, Jimmy talked about how, like, we're going to get this thing rolling pretty soon. Uh, Matt Mayoko said, look, I, I would expect things to kind of you know kick off pretty quickly here. Like, they want to get a deal done. Jimmy wants to know where he's going to be before the year starts. And so, I fully expect the Niners to trade Jimmy soon, in the next month, maybe a little over that, because they want to get this thing done. They want to get their books in order, their money in order, and go, okay, now now we have 25 extra million dollars. Well, you can have some Debo. You can have some Bosa. You can have some Tomlinson. Like, they want to get things figured out early. The Niners have always been a team that wants to get things done early. That way they can prepare for what's next. You know, it's always, you know, in a diet program, it's a, you know, the 10, you know, 10 parts, you know, uh, (laughs) excuse me, 10 part plan. Well, the Niners are now in plan one, right? Trade Jimmy. Then it goes to plan two, sign Debo. Then it's plan three, sign Bosa. And it goes so so on and so forth. And so, like, Jimmy's getting moved, we know this. But the big question is, where is the right place? And what is Jimmy Garoppolo worth? Matt Kolsky on 95.7 The Game, he bet me. That if Jimmy Garoppolo went for anything more than a fifth round pick, he would buy me some macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and when I heard him say that, it made me think like there's a part of this fan base that believes Jimmy is worth absolutely nothing. Nothing. And it baffles me because, again, supply and demand is obviously, you know, happening, right? If Rodgers and Wilson are available, teams are going to try to buy and buy and buy until they, you know, they can't give anything else up. Then it leaves some losers out there who are like, I guess we can have Jimmy. But it's a pretty good consolation prize for a guy who's been to the Super Bowl and the NFC title game the last three years. Like, it's pretty good. (laughs) And so, I think a team like Washington makes a ton of sense. Like, if I'm Jimmy and my no-trade clause is still in effect prior to March 16th, I don't want to go to Carolina. I want to go to an organization, and hear me out here, there's been talks that Dan Snyder may be forced to sell the Washington Commanders. And so, if that's the case, well, they can get an actual good owner in that building. They already have a strong head coach with Ron Rivera, who, again, old-school style of guy, Play defense in the NFL. What Jimmy Garoppolo play? Jimmy Garoppolo is an old school style of guy who played linebacker in high school. And that's who he is at heart. And he's a good guy. That's a solid enough defense in Washington. Chase Young should be back. They have guys like Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. And they got a fairly good offensive line. Like, it's not great, but it's good enough for Jimmy to win games in a bad division like the NFC East. Where the Eagles have quarterback questions. The Giants have a lot of questions. And the Cowboys can't seemingly do anything once they get to the playoffs. Like, well, the division may not be wide open. It's open enough for Jimmy to go, like, there's a door there. And if I want to win, that's the place. And if you're the Washington Commanders, you say, well, we can get Jimmy, who we believe is better than Taylor Heineke. And we can also keep Heineke in case Jimmy goes down, which likely the case right and if you're Washington you go we're not giving you the 11th overall pick but we'll give you a second and a fifth a second and a sixth it might be a second in 2023 but if you get a second round pick back for Jimmy alone it's a win right you're getting back what you got rid of for him but on top of that if you can get a low end late round pick you're even getting more so than what you got for him like the Niners are in such a good place here because if Rodgers and Wilson are off the market, they're not going anywhere, right? Who else is out there? Who's the, the quarterback out there? This draft class stinks in regards to quarterbacks 
the best one, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter. I mean, those names don't blow you away. And they may have great futures, but initially they're not going to be the guy. And if you're Washington, if, if you want to pick a quarterback, maybe it's Kenny Pickett. I don't know. But, and you know those guys aren't going to be ready? Why shouldn't Jimmy, why can't Jimmy be your stopgap? And if you're a team like Washington, who, again, maybe wants to take a chance on a guy like Jimmy, well, a second round pick's pretty good. Even a team like Pittsburgh, Ryan Chazier, former Steelers linebacker, said on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, said, I would not be upset if we got Jimmy Garoppolo. He knows how to win. He has two rings, although he didn't play in either one of those games for the Patriots. But he's been to his own Super Bowl. He's been to the NFC title game. And think what you want. The team carried him. The running game carried him. He was still the quarterback of that team. And if you're a team like Pittsburgh, who is assumingly trying to still win football games, albeit Mahomes is in the AFC, Herbert's in the AFC, Jackson's in the AFC North, Burrow's in the AFC North, you give... Jimmy a nine and ten team, or excuse me, a nine and eight team, and they can squeak in. They can make some noise. They got a good running game. They have a really good defense, and Jimmy can restructure his contract to give any team money to free up money. It's not like twenty six mil is set in stone. Jimmy gets traded, restructures his contract, and he's there for two years. Like <laughs> Jimmy ain't dumb. They played this thing perfectly on both sides. Jimmy maximized his value, and so did San Francisco. And so I do think a second-round pick, maybe like a fifth or a sixth thrown in there, just kind of like a... You can also have this, too, to kind of buffer the trade-up a little bit. But I think Washington and Pittsburgh are two of the best destinations for Jimmy Garoppolo, but my heart and my head has, since last year week four in, in the offseason possibly was saying look out for Washington they need a quarterback they're on the the cusp of contending in that division so watch out for Washington but I want to get to the other quarterback stuff right for whatever reason the Niners fan base cannot escape the quarterback conversation and I get during the year it was, well, Lance should play and Jimmy should play and all that stuff. I understand the quarterback battle itself. But this Niners fan base or Niners Twitter for maybe might be a more better centered term to use here. I don't know what it is, but we are regressing as human beings. <laughs> like every day there's new conspiracy theory out there. Like certain people are saying, well, Kittle hates Trey Lance. And then in my head, I go like, did Kittle say something? Like, did Kittle do something? And then you find out that it's from a 20-second clip that I put on Twitter of Kittle saying, yeah, oh, Trey has everything you want in a quarterback. He's going to work hard. He's going to have a good offseason. You know, can't wait. People were like, well, Kittle's wife, Claire Kittle, the amazing Claire Kittle, Claire Kittle, her eyes, the body language is bad. Like, we're, we're reading wives' body language now? Like, what are we doing? Hey, do better. Hey, wait for it, do better. Like, why waste your time reading body language of a wife who likely just wants her husband to finish the interview because she's tired of doing 17 of these things, and I'm sure he's tired of answering the exact same question over and over and over and over and over again. Like, this Niners team's had to answer quarterback questions for the better half of eight months. It's the offseason. The season's over with. They know the plan. Come on. <laughs> like, it's time to move on. We know Jimmy's done. They know Jimmy's done. But then you see people on Twitter who are like, well, there was a report that, like, Kittle threw a tantrum on the sideline multiple times when Kyle Shanahan wanted to, like, pull out Jimmy Garoppolo. And he was like, Kittle was like, no, I love Jimmy. Like, come on. George Kittle, one of the highest paid, not just players in the NFL, tight ends in the league. The man who started tight end university, who was constantly in, covered by the NFL media. 
if George Kittle threw a tantrum on the sideline, no camera caught it, no fan caught it, Fox didn't catch it, CBS didn't catch it, NFL Network didn't catch it. Like, again, we talked about it last offseason. You just gotta use your brain, man. Like, God gave you a brain for a reason. Like, sometimes the switch may turn off, and I get it, it happens to me too. But like, then you sit back and you read what someone's saying and you're like, Hey, that doesn't make any sense. Hey, sense? Hey, I don't think you have any. Like, what are we doing? I like, the amount of cons- and like, they, and like, let's be clear here. A lot of these conspiracies come from a handful of people who I think we know who they are. But like none of these conspiracies have been proven true. None of them. None. Yet people were like, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, yeah, George Kittle hates Trey Lance. He hates him because he loves Jimmy. Do you not think that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch sat Jimmy down, then sat Kittle down, then sat Trent Williams down, and Kyle Juszczyk, and Debo Samuel, and the highest paid players on the team, the guys who are the most important, said, hey guys, here's the plan. That way, in case the media asked you over and over and over again, you, being the player, one of the highest paid players, one of our most important players, that way you know, so you don't have to go out there and say something stupid. There's a reason why the answers become redundant. One, the questions get asked 17 billion times, but on top of that, well, they know the plan, yet we just keep asking, and the plan's pretty freaking obvious. Like, they're sitting there saying, well, okay, Jimmy for one year, then we're going to go to Lance. Okay, well, like, then I'm just going to say Jimmy's cool and Lance is great. Boom, bang, bang, no one gets hurt. Great, oh, cool. Like, that's... Stop reading wives' body language. Maybe stop asking the same question over and over and over again. And I get there's intrigue. I wonder what Lance looks like. How could you not? Well, guess what? You can find out in five months when OTAs start. That's how it works. Stop prying and digging for answers that aren't there. You know, it's like when you're younger and you're digging outside in the in, in the yard because you're five years old and you're like, Hey, Dad, I found this shovel. And you keep digging and digging and digging. And, and your parents are like, you keep digging, you're going to find China. And it's like, hey, this Niners fan base, and more importantly, certain people, they're digging for China. Well, guess what? China ain't down there. <laughs> like, China's on the other side of the world. You can't dig down for China. <laughs> You'll get some dirt, but you ain't going to find China. <laughs> it's like, stop digging for things that do not exist. Stop trying to manufacture a rift between players and coaches and quarterbacks and teammates. It's just dumb. And one of the bigger conspiracies now is Tom Brady might finish his career in San Francisco. No, Tom Brady is not going to finish his career in San Francisco. Tom Brady is retired. I know, the door is always open. Tom Brady might say, you know what? After a month off, after two months off, I might want to come back. No, no. No, no. The Niners already said no to Tom Brady once. Right? We know this. Was it a mistake? Maybe. Although I don't think Tom Brady in 2020 helps the Niners win really much of anything. Because I don't think anybody does. I don't think Mahomes leads that team to a championship. I just don't. Not just me. But go back and look at 2020. It was a disaster. But then we get to this conversation now of like, well, we can bring in Tom Brady and Lance can sit for another year. Like, what? Like, Lance can sit for another year? You didn't believe, like, you believed in Garoppolo post-2019, understandably so, that you turned down the greatest quarterback of all time. Now you don't believe in Jimmy, or at least don't believe in him enough to keep him. You trade up three first-round picks for a quarterback... And now you want to turn and say, hey, kid, we don't believe in you now, and we're going to bring in Tom Brady. Like, again, where is the logic? So Tom Brady is going to overtake Trey Lance's starting quarterback? And look, I understand Tom Brady right now is far better than Trey Lance. There's no question the freaking about it. He was almost the MVP. Tom Brady had a great year. But 
They believed in Jimmy Garoppolo, who many people don't think is a good quarterback, and those people are maybe a little crazy, but they didn't believe it. They they believed in Jimmy Garoppolo more post-2019, post-Super Bowl collapse enough to not sign Tom Brady. But now, after trading up three first-round picks for Trey Lance, letting him sit for a year and planning out this entire excursion to go from Jimmy to Lance and told the entire team that, and they all said, yay! They're going to say, forget that entire thing. All the long questions we had to answer, all the dumb questions we had to answer, all the conspiracies we had to go through and talk about and discuss and disclaim and say, you are fake news. Like, now they're going to just go, yeah, I'll bring in Brady. Like, what? (laughs) In what world? Tom Brady is will not be a 49er. And if he is, then I will sit here and I'll eat a jar of mayonnaise. I don't know. I'll do something dumb because, like, it does not make sense. If anything, Brady going back to Tampa Bay makes more sense. Brady playing in Denver makes more sense than him playing for San Francisco. I understand. There's connections, right? Brady's from here. He wanted to play here. But that's where it ends. That's where it ends. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I respect the heck out of Tom Brady. He is the GOAT. I watched his entire career. It was amazing. But the future in Trey Lance is now here. And that future in Trey Lance is now our present. We know what the plan is. It's always been the plan for two years, for a year. Stick with it. The Niners aren't going to go off and do something stupid like this and go, well, you know what, we change our mind. No. And, and it, here, I'll preface it and say, if the Niners do sign Tom Brady, uh, we need to start questioning what Trey Lance is and who he is. Is he Jordan Love 2.0 or is he Aaron Rodgers? Those questions will happen if this Niners team does sign Tom Brady. I will have questions of, well... Well, you signed Tom Brady, and, and and I get it, he's the GOAT, but, like, what happened to Trey Lance? Like, did you, are you admitting you're making a mistake in drafting him? Are you admitting that maybe trading up three first-round picks wasn't the move, and you missed on a quarterback you should have taken? Like, that's what happens next if Tom Brady comes here. So I do not think in any inkling of the truth he will be in San Francisco. But then... We have one GOAT possibly coming to San Francisco. Then it becomes Joe Montana, who I guess was the previous GOAT, who is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Then you got him talking about Trey Lance. And in a matter of two weeks, you're like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, I can't catch my breath. There's so many things happening. It's like that SpongeBob meme where, like, he's looking back and forth and it's all blurry. You're like, dude, like, what? Like, huh? (laughs) So Joe Montana... Goes on the Ringers podcast during um, Media Row, you know, Radio Row, excuse me, during the Super Bowl week, right? Uh, all the radio stations go out there. KNBR was out there. 95.7 The Game was out there two years ago. Like, all the radio stations go out there to cover the biggest game of the year, right? So Montana's out there because there's celebrities out there. It's in Los Angeles. You know, they're all there. And he sits down with Kevin Clark of The Ringer and... He says, I don't think Trey's ready. Then, he not only says that, he drops a bombshell. And says, I talked to some of the players. After talking to some of the players, I don't think Trey Lance is ready. And everybody went, huh? Who who was Joe Montana talked to? Um, like, was he talking to George Kittle? Or was he talking to Mitch Wisnowski? Because <laughs> it matters. But then you go like, well, does Joe have access to every single player on the team? Yes. Can Joe Montana walk into Levi Stadium and go, hey, Jed, and walk right into Jed York's office and go, hey, yes, he's Joe Montana. He can do that anywhere. But I don't want to say Joe Montana's wrong. Like, I am no better than Joe Montana. Like, if if Joe Montana walked into my room, I'd go, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But in this case, like, where does this come from? 
You got Steve Young saying, start Trey. You got Joe Montana saying, well, I believe in Jimmy and Trey's not ready. And it just seems like we're, we're watching two 40 and 50 and 60-year-old former All-Pros and Pro Bowlers and Super Bowl champions hash out their grievances of the past right now between these two guys. And it's like, either let it go or there's actually some truth here. But I highly doubt, highly doubt that a player or maybe a well-known player said something to Montana like, hey, I don't think Trey's ready. Like, I, I think Jimmy should stay or Brady should be our guy. Again, not to say Joe Montana's wrong, but I mean, it's, it's so hard for me to believe, right? Because Joe's always been pro-Jimmy, which isn't a bad thing. And Steve Young's always been pro-Lance, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, it just came out of nowhere. Like, so all of a sudden, Joe Montana's talking to players and now Trey's not ready? Like, Kyle Shanahan admitted that he almost was forced to put Trey in week six. Like, there was a point where they were three and five and he was like, you know, it was week nine, go out there, Trey. Go out there, Trey. And he couldn't do it because Trey got hurt, Right? And then, like, Trey looked okay against the t- Texans. There was promising things. There were bad things. There were good things. Like, the, that's a rookie. But you give Trey Lance two full off seasons to work with, more so one and a half considering the COVID year last year, essentially. And you give him chemistry with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Hopefully you can bring back some of the offensive line pieces you have in Tomlinson and Mack. More, more so Mack than Tomlinson because you have a replacement for Tomlinson possibly already in the building. And if you can improve the defense even more, and McGlinchey can come back, and you can keep Mostert and Mitchell and Sermon can actually have an impact on offense, and you're cooking with fire there, right? Like, you got something going. It may not be perfect all the time, but there's enough explosion to make up for some of the rookie gaffes he, he might have. So, it just makes you wonder, like, what, again, like, what is going on? And, like, I don't, I'm not, again, I'm not going to sit here and say Joe Montana's wrong. But it made me highly skeptical of, like, well, like, when did you talk to a player? Which, I mean, again, it's Joe Montana. He can talk to anybody. But did you talk to someone in OTAs, in, in training camp? Or did you talk to him last week, post-NFC Championship game? Because that matters. And... Not to say Joe would do anything to hurt Lance or say anything against Lance, but then Lance comes out and says, like, look, I'm not worried about anybody outside of this building, my teammates, my coaches. It's all that matters to me. I'm doing my thing. And it's like, was that a shot at Montana? Probably not, but it kind of seemed like it was directed towards him because the the direct question was, what do you say to people who say you're not ready? And Shay was like, I don't care about them. And it's like, Good. You shouldn't care about them. And that's the one thing I love about Trey Lance. He's poised. He always seems confident. And it's like, look, I'm going to play quarterback. I'm going to do me. If you don't like that, too bad. If you like that, awesome. That's Trey Lance. But it's a big offseason ahead. But let's look back as we transition into our team awards. Let's look back at what was really a magical season for the San Francisco 49ers. The first team award I want to give away. You can picture I'm holding like an Oscar or a football trophy. The plastic ones when you're like six from flag football. <laughs> the team award for coach of the year goes to Demeco Ryans for his outstanding defense, his ability to make second half adjustments, and to fight through cornerback issues of Josh Norman finding the best of Ambry Thomas and allowing Aziz Alshire to become a starter or pretty much a starter in this league. So Demeco Ryans, you're our coach of the year. Enough cannot be said. I'm extremely happy to have him back in the building. Thankfully, he didn't take that Vikings job. Uh, Ryans, whether it's one more year left here in San Francisco, he was extremely important to keep here in the building, knowing there was going to be so much turnover elsewhere with McDaniel and Welker and Embry and Hightower all leaving. Demeco Ryans is your 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 Niners, excuse me, your Niners 
Coach of the Year. Now, Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. Was it Trey Lance? No. Was it Aaron Banks? He didn't play. Was it Trey Sermon? Mm. Was it Ambry Thomas? That This one was tough. Because I wanted to give this to Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas, like, enough cannot be said about how he played lights out. Yes, he struggled. Bengals game, struggled late in that game. Houston game, got beat a few times. But down the stretch in the playoffs, lights out. Lights out when it mattered most. So, Ambry Thomas, you get my consolation prize. But I'm going to give this to Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell... A six-round pick, the Niners' final pick of this past draft. Came into the year expected to be a special teams player. Kick returns, punt returns. Well, Trey Sermon wasn't active for week one. Jeff Wilson Jr. was hurt for week one. Then Raheem Mostert gets hurt during week one in like the first run of the game. And Shanahan goes, I got Hasty and I got Mitchell. Mitchell, get out there. And Mitchell puts together a phenomenal season. 11 games, 207 attempts, over 1,000 total yards, 963 rushing yards. If he plays 16 games, if he even plays 12 games, he's a 1,000-yard rusher. He had 137 yards through the air and 6 total touchdowns on the season. A great, great year. For Elijah Mitchell, he is our 2021-2022 49ers Rookie of the Year. Now I'm going to have some fun here, right? You know, it's a podcast. You want to have some fun, right? Season's over. The heartbreak still exists, but maybe a little raw still. But we want to have some fun to mend the broken heart. It was Valentine's Day a couple days ago. Hopefully you had a great Valentine's Day. So let's continue the fun and let's spread some love. All right? Cool. All right, the up-and-comer of the year. This man had 13 games, only played 13 games this year, but he had 102 tackles, a career high. He had nine tackles for losses, a career high. He had one interception, a career high. And he had two fumble recoveries, a career high. Can you guess who it is? I'll let you think. Okay, not long enough. It's Aziz Alshire. This guy was expected to be what? A depth piece. He's a fine third linebacker. We have Fred Warner, who's an all-pro. We have Trey Greenlaw, who had a really good year last year. Then Greenlaw gets her early. And Aziz Alshire not only replaces Dre Greenlaw, but outperforms Dre Greenlaw. Aziz Alshire is likely going to get an extension while Dre Greenlaw gets traded. Like, that's how well he played. He makes them feel comfortable enough to trade the man who saved the 2019 season in Seattle at the one-inch line and let Al Shire play. Aziz Al Shire is your up-and-comer of the year. Now let's move to the defensive side of the ball. This man, after tearing his ACL in Week 2 of 2020, had 15 and a half sacks, 52 total tackles, 40 solo tackles, 4 forced fumbles. He has the most sacks in the playoffs in a six-game stretch. This man, known as the smaller bear, is Nick Bosa. Now, to quote George Kittle, Sign him to a 20-year deal right now. Nick Bosa should have, and I don't know how he did not get any votes for Comeback Player of the Year. It is asinine that the NFL honors, the AP, did not give this man one single vote for Comeback Player of the Year. Even Derwin James, and I like Derwin James, even he got one vote over Nick Bosa. Fifth. 15 and a half sacks doesn't warrant at least one vote for comeback player of the year. Well, guess what, Nick Bosa? You can have the 49er access defensive player of the year award instead. It's probably somewhat less prestigious, but it's worth nothing. But you can have it anyways. Nick Bosa, 
your 2021-2022 49ers Defensive Player of the Year. Before I get into MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, we're going to stop somewhere in the middle and give the award to the most underrated player of the 2021-22 season. Now, some might say, well, this really should be Tom Compton. Tom Compton filled in for, my, for McGlinchey and had a great year. Jaquiski Tart was overlooked last year. Him coming back on a one-year deal was a great steal for San Francisco. They should bring him back next year. They should, but also replaceable. But still, really great stuff, right? But to me, this award goes to a 36-year-old veteran who might retire in this offseason. A man who allowed one pressure in 49.7, pretty much every 50 pass pro snaps, so pass play snaps, he allowed a pressure. The Niners usually don't have 50 attempts per game, so that's about every two games he allows one pressure. That man is Alex Mack. Arguably the the dad of the Niners. You can see how he acts. He's a funny guy. The way he cheers, what he eats, his Instagram polls, his Instagram quizzes. He's very much the dad. He wears the Birkenstocks and the shorts and like the Hanes light blue t-shirts around. That's Alex Mack. And he is the most underrated player. Your 2021-2022 49ers most underrated player of the year. Now let's get to Offensive Player of the Year. And I can tell you that you already know who this is because it's a no-brainer. The San Francisco 49ers 2021-2022 Offensive Player of the Year is Debo Samuels. Like, Debo Samuel had 87 receptions this year. Had 86 rushing attempts this year, including playoffs had over 1,500 receiving yards and 500 rushing yards. He had over 2,000 yards this season. Not including his 17 total touchdowns, 7 receiving, 9 rushing, and you can't forget his one passing touchdown. <laughs> and like Debo Samuel had an unprecedented season. And again, somehow got no votes for Offensive Player of the Year, at the NFL Honors, like, Debo, like, what Debo Samuel did this year will likely never be seen again, even by someone like Debo Samuel. Like, the Niners cannot continue to use him this way. But what he did this year, like, this needs to go into the history of books as one of the greatest seasons from a running back, receiver, wide back, quarterback, I don't know what you want to call him, but it's one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. The way he was utilized, what he did when touching the ball, the home run plays he's made, like the fact that he took a screen in Chicago behind the line of scrimmage for about 84 yards and near a touchdown, like enough cannot be said about what Debo Samuel did this year. And I know he's getting the hype and the talks and he will get a contract extension likely around $19.5 million per John Clayton, but... We have to keep talking about Debo Samuel because the year he had was insane. Insane. So Debo Samuel is your 2021-2022 49ers Offensive Player of the Year because, yeah, he has to be. (laughs) And our final award of the night, our final award, is the Most Valuable Player. Don't let you think who this is for a little bit. Is it Brandon Ayuk? Nah, he didn't play all year. Is it Nick Bosa? Oh, it might be Nick Bosa. I don't know. Is it Mayo Mosley? He had a really good year. Wow. Mayo Mosley could have been most underrated player of the year. Is he MVP? Mm, maybe it's Debo Samuel. Oh, maybe you're onto something there. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, because I'm indecisive. I can't choose. We're going to have co-MVPs this year. We're going to have the best left tackle, the highest graded player per PFF of any player since 2006, Trent Williams. And we're going to have receiver wideback Debo Samuel be your co-MVPs this year. 
these two men of very different past, very different history. One was a first rounder, one was a second rounder, one plays left tackle, one plays receiver. And it's funny because Trent Williams essentially plays a large role in what Debo Samuel can do, right? He blocks for Debo Samuel. But it's what Debo Samuel does once Trent Williams blocks for him that makes Trent Williams look better. <laughs> it all comes full circle, right? Like, what Trent Williams, like, Trent Williams, again, had, if not the, one of the, just like Debo Samuel, one of the greatest seasons ever by a left tackle. Like, ever. Like, there were talks that Trent Williams was the MVP of the league in week, like, seven. That's how good he was. And he, he kind of, you know, teetered off towards the end of the year, but he got hurt, he had the elbow injury, couldn't play at the ankle injury, he had issues, right? And we saw that in the NFC Championship game. But for 17 weeks, 18 weeks, and you can even include the Dallas game and the, and the Packer game, like, Tr- Trent Williams was usually the best player on the field at all times, even when Debo Samuel was scoring 17 touchdowns this year. But because Debo Samuel scored 17 touchdowns, well, you got to lump them in together. So Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, you are a 2021-2022 co-MVPs of the year, and our bonus award goes to the Best Designer Podcast all year. No, it goes to me. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm kidding. But it was a great season for Niner football. I'm super excited for the offseason. Glad to be back doing a podcast. Needed some time off. But we're back. There's rumors everywhere. I can't wait for Garoppolo to get traded and all the rumors coming out with that. Are they going to re-sign Lakin? Is Deep Ford going to come back? There's so much stuff going on get into the draft a little bit soon, start looking at prospects and breaking down somewhat of film. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to see what we can get for Jimmy Garoppolo and what Trey Lance brings to the table, but we got a long time for that, and there's a lot of content to get out in the meantime. So, and you know the drill. Well... If you want to figure out the content, follow the content. When is he going to get traded? Where is Jimmy going? Who's getting signed? Who's getting released? Who's getting cut? You are going to want to follow us on social media. Instagram at 49ers.access. Over 11,000, near 12,000 followers at this point. And Twitter, nearing 2,000 followers at 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss a thing on both those platforms also if you like this podcast leave a like share subscribe leave a review tell your friends tell your family that the 49er access podcast is back for another off season of niners action of rumors of trades of what's gonna happen next and until we talk next time my name is sterling bennett this has been the 49er access podcast and stay faithful